Hello, nice people. It's Phil Yanov here, and we are, of course, talking about the Tech After Five podcast. I know it looks like we've taken a break, but let me tell you, we didn't. We've been recording, and we're all set to do something brand new. So I've got a bunch of episodes that we've been recording every week, even when it looked like we were taking a break. What does that mean? That we are now set to release the Tech After Five podcast twice a week. What? Yep. So we're looking for Tuesdays and Fridays, a Tech Tuesday, and then something to get your Friday and weekend ready to go. We've got lots of great stuff already in the queue, ready for you, and we've got lots more planned after that. But the idea is that every week, not one, but two, it's buy one, get one free with a Tech After Five podcast. And the uh, only thing we need from you is, of course, rate and review. Let us know that you love what we're doing. If you don't, send me an email. But if you do, absolutely make sure that you tell a friend about the Tech After Five podcast and you can get it wherever the finest podcasts are served. Thanks. <laughs> Hey, this is Feliano with the Tech After Five podcast, and I know that you know we're here to help you expand your professional network, and I've got an expert for us to talk today because one of the things we've got to do if we're going to expand and upgrade and meet people, one of those things is we got to figure out how to deal with strangers, and I don't know if you're like me, but my mom said don't talk to strangers, grew up in the country, kind of an introvert, that's a super easy thing for me to not do. But I had to teach myself to talk to strangers. And uh, so we want to talk about that a little bit more today. We've got Keo Stark with us, and uh, I'm excited to introduce you to her. Uh, as always, I've got my friend Scott Pfeiffer here with me, and Scott is going to help me get all the goods out of Keo. Scott, welcome. Thank you, Phil. It's great to be here as always. Welcome, Keo. It's nice to meet you. Thanks, guys. It's nice to meet you, too. Yeah, it is a treat. And I'm, you know, I was thinking I was as I was prepping for what we're doing today, I was thinking Keo is probably the person I've spent stalking the longest before we actually got to this bit, right? Because uh, it started, I think, when the book When Strangers Meet came out. And I you were I think we I met you on Twitter or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit, yeah. and I sent a query letter to you and you sent me a book and I went through and I read the thing. And I said, Oh, we ought to talk, and then lives changed or my life did some things and poof. So it's been a few years. But uh Keo, uh, this is uh this is a fabulous thing for people to be thinking about. And of course, you've got the TED talk to go with it as well. Um what got you, I mean, as I listened to your TED Talk, you said, I started writing down my interactions with strangers. Um, whatever possessed you to say, this is a moment I need to be thinking about more deeply? Um, I mean, there's the, the long history of that and the short history. Um, the long history is I grew up in a family that talked to strangers. It seemed totally normal to me. And as I got older, I started to realize that like not everyone does this. And why are people looking at me like I'm a freak? Um, so I started to actually try to think about and learn about and, and study about why people do and don't talk to strangers and what it means. And so that was a bit of a lifelong project. Um, the You mentioned the writing it down and the writing it down was... Um, I started teaching a class at a grad program called ITP, which is part of NYU. And it's like hacker, geek, technologist, artist 
grad program. Um, and I was teaching a class about how strangers interact. And when I was planning the class, I wanted the students to do this, to like to start take notes on their interactions. And I was like, well, I better do it too. Um, so I started keeping a blog of my interactions with strangers and, and that sort of focused my attention on it in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, so how did you started that for the class? Somehow that became not just a book, but it's a TED book, which I don't think I have any other books that are TED books. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how that all came to be. Tell us a little bit about you and how this whole thing came to be part of your life. Sure. Um, so the book, the complexity of it being a TED book is just that uh, TED has an imprint with Simon and Schuster. So that's the interestingness of the TED book. And there, there are a lot of other ones out there. Um, do you mean, how did I come to write the book? Yeah. Well, oh. right. I mean, you know, a lot of people think about things and then do nothing about it. You actually <laughs> put it all into a book. I how did, did that happen? I did. <laughs> um, so I taught this class several times um, in the past decade, like a few semesters in a row. And I gave talks about it and, you know, at sort of conferences of various levels of unconference to formal conference. Um, and, and everyone I talked to about it and everyone who took the class or her lectures, like, you should write a book about this. And I thought, okay, yes, I should write a book about this. I have written books. Like, I know how to do this. But I couldn't ever figure out, like, should this be a book that helps people? Should this be a pundit book? Should this be a sort of artistic treatise? Like I could have done any of those things and I didn't know and I didn't know. And then I was invited to uh, submit a book for this Simon & Schuster TED imprint that would be 80 pages, you know, general interest audience. And I was like, that I can definitely do. Okay. Um, so that's sort of how it came to be. And the structure of it, which is kind of uh, three main parts, the first of which is about why talking to strangers has emotional benefits. The second is about why it has political importance. And the third is like, okay, how the heck does this actually work? Um, that kind of came out of the, the long sort of process of thinking about it. And then I ended up interspersing it with some of these vignettes that I had written in the past about interactions with strangers. Right. That's the book. Um, why don't we uh, dive into some of what you're thinking about that, right? Tell us sure. about what are the benefits of talking to strangers that you see? Sure. sure. So, oh, wait, sorry, a little fire truck action there at the window. You are in New York. I was uh, worried not, about Scott, actually, and obviously. now I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You're where? Yeah. No, that was like the neighborhood fire truck. Oh, okay. Uh, probably somebody's cat. <laughs> I actually did that once when I was a teenager, uh, called the fire department because my cat was up a tree and they just laughed and laughed. <laughs> you're, you're saying they did not roll a truck. They just laughed. They did not. They told me to open a can of tuna. Um, Excellent. <laughs> yes. Excellent. You've just ruined a bunch of uh, Lassie episodes as well as other, you know, leave it to beaver, et cetera. Uh, yeah, those are TV shows. I don't think most people who are listening to this have heard of, but that's world. So. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So um, I think there's a bunch of things going on with why we do and don't talk to strangers. Um, I think the, the first way to think about this is 
why it's good for you emotionally as a person. Um, if you back up from strangers and just think about personhood and existence, we all need intimacy, right? And some of the components of intimacy, which we think about as something we get from our friends and family, are connectedness, recognition, understanding. These don't sound like off the top of your head, like how am I gonna get that from somebody on the street? But it turns out that there are a kind of interactions that sociologists call fleeting intimacy. I like to think of it just as street intimacy where you actually get a little tiny dose of those feelings of connection, of recognition, of you know, being recognized as a fellow human, sometimes even of being understood. And those add up, they stack up. You, know, you have some of those during your day, during your week, during your month. And that, if you think about it as you have like a budget that you need for, uh, for intimacy, they contribute to that feeling of feeling connected and, and understood and recognized. You're not having to get all of it from your significant other or your close friends. Yeah, you can think of it as like, you know, doing it on the street takes a little bit of the, the onus off of your family or your partner. Right. So we're fighting. I'm going to tell that to my wife. I'm going to say, I talk to strangers. So you don't have to talk to me. No, I mean, really, especially right now. Oh, my God. You know, people are really sick of their partners, right? Yeah. Really, really, really. Oh, don't no, no, they're not. No, they're in love more than they've ever been. <laughs> she listens. Um, so yeah, I, but I think that's, you know, you're talking about there being kind of a balance. I was trying to figure out what the word I wanted to have in there, but there's trying to get that load in, even if it's f- sort of fleeting intimacy. I mean, I know that, right. I'm not saying it's a shot of dopamine. I don't think that's it. It's something, but there's some emotional hit that I yeah. get out of it and that I actually do enjoy it, but I would not have intuited that before I started doing it, right? And I think this is that hurdle, that bridge that you're kind of helping people get over is to say, look, this really does do your heart some good. I mean, it sounds really woo, but the fact is there's something that's going on inside your head that if you can meet the stranger in some way that that makes that caring moment work, this actually gives you a hit of something that's good and makes your life better. Yeah, yeah. And I am the least woo-woo person on the planet. And I've always been very aware of how this can sound that way. And I just have to like, let that be what it sounds like for people. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the fun and also fascinating things about having put this book out into the world is that people come to me with two kinds of really positive responses. One is, wow, you made me try something and it worked. Like it does feel good, amazing. The other is a kind of understanding and validation and having words for something that they've experienced before, but like didn't have a name for or, or didn't like understand as you say, like, why is this making me feel good? Um, and that's another thing that's really important to people is being able to name things and to understand what's happening to them. Um, so that's one of the gratifying things about the book. Uh-huh. Well, I'm an extrovert's extrovert, and I've always loved talking to strangers. I think that was my reaction to uh, growing up. We moved about every year and a half or two years, and so I had to meet a whole bunch of new people. Um, But in doing that, we're fighting against thousands of years of evolution that taught us that anybody outside our little clan of 100 people is a potential competitor for scarce resources and a threat. 
anybody that doesn't look like us or in our close group as a threat. And so how do you, for people that, you know, didn't grow up doing it that way, that, that do have that fear of talking to strangers or that apprehension, how do you, how do you tell them to get over that? Sure. And I have two answers to that. Um, the first is that I, I think us and them thinking, we all know this, is a deep part of human history, but so is making bridges um, between us's and them's. You know, like communities actually did need other communities. And so there are all kinds of patterns in different cultures of, you know, intermarriages as, uh, as those kinds of bridges. Um, so it's important to remember that, like to balance the fact that this may be, it's part, not part of human nature, but part of human history so is this other part of human history. Um, the the second, wait, what was the second part of the, what was your, remind what's me. The, what's your lost. advice on how people get past right, that? Right, right. Okay. So then the other thing is, it's you can't just get past an apprehension because somebody says, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, you have to understand where it comes from. And I think one of the important things about why we're afraid of strangers is we just don't know how to read them. So they're, they're, out of context, you know, we don't know what to do. We're confronted with this person we don't know. And our gut is like, I don't know this person. I don't understand them. Like, I don't have any clues to whether or not I should be afraid of them. So I'm just going to be afraid. I'm going to back off. I'm going to like go away. So one of the things I think people need to do is like slow down and start observing their reactions and where they're coming from. And what information can they gather with their senses about a person that will actually tell them, oh, I think I can trust this person. I don't think they're dangerous. And the fact is, most people are not dangerous. Um, if you wanted to go in that direction, you know, the, the incidents of stranger on stranger crime, murder, abduction, all of that is like nearly nil compared to you know, most of those crimes are committed within a community or with people who know each other. Yeah, you're so, right. It's vanishingly small. We Yeah. When it happens, you hear about it, exactly. which makes it appear as though it's more prevalent. Yeah. But it is vanishingly small. And, you know, I'm glad we have you on to talk about this because, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm six one and I was in the army for 10 years. I have a black when I go through uh, the streets, you know, I've talked to homeless people in Nashville and, and Miami and, you know, I, I enjoy that kind of thing, but I don't walk around the streets with apprehension that this guy's going to be able to do something harmful to me that I'm not going to be able to counter in some way. But for me to give that kind of advice to say a young woman, I, you know, she has a completely different set of realities when she walks through the streets of a city as far as what could someone do to her. So I'm glad we have you on to give your perspective on that, on how, you know, how does somebody, if you're, you know, you're a young woman, uh, you're meeting strangers, you know, how do you make sure that you're safe? Yeah. And like I said, I think it's about developing good instincts mm -hmm. um, for who you have no need to fear and who you might want to steer clear of. And you're always going to want to err on the side of caution. So one of the things that I suggest if somebody doesn't feel comfortable with this, but wants to open up to it, whether there's somebody who will feel, could feel physically threatened 
whether it's legitimate or not, like you could still be afraid of people, even if you could karate chop them or, yeah, sure. you know, are much they larger. They could have a gun. Them. They could have a knife. I mean, I, it's, it's right. not that I'm invulnerable. It's just that right. I don't, Right. that's not the, the subconscious that, yeah. that I carry yeah. on. Yeah. So one thing you can do is go someplace where you feel really safe and then practice, practice what happens when you do something that can initiate a conversation or just an interaction, like these don't even have to be verbal, just saying hello to somebody, just even catching their eye can start to give you this little boost of, of intimacy, of belonging. Um, go someplace you feel really safe and start practicing, start catching people's eyes, start saying hello to people, you know, start saying one of the things that is both meaningful and meaningless, like, how's, how's it going? Where you don't even need an answer. It's an acknowledgement. It's like, how's it going? I see that you're a person there. I, I observe that you are taking up space and you are the same as me. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to about. pretend you don't exist so I can just get past you, right? I'm, I'm actually right. seeing you and you're being part of it. Right. I want to just, I want to pull out a little bit on Scott's question again, because I'm thinking you've got some other experience for us and that you've taught this to college students for a number of years. I'm curious about their reactions when you give them a mission to go out into the street and practice this. What are the things they're bringing back to you when they talk about it? Um, that's such a great question. You know, What's funny is you would think that most of the students who take my class and want to understand how strangers interact either for themselves or because they want to make technological projects or because they want to make art that, you know, involves this, you would think they're all like, I'm on it. I love to do this. Like, I just want more information. I usually have about a third of the class or people who describe themselves as you know, having social anxiety disorder or having, you know, extreme shyness or this being like a great challenge for them and they're bringing themselves to this challenge. So I get to hear a lot of really interesting reactions to the assignments. Um, the people who already enjoy it are having a really good time, you know, interacting with people, learning about them, being curious. Um, seeing what happens when they do sort of slightly um, pushy things, which I can describe a few of those assignments. The people who come in with it as a challenge love the scaffolding of the assignments. They love having a little step to take. They have instructions and they're doing it for school. So if they feel uncomfortable with it, you know, it's like, well, this is an assignment. If they talk to somebody and they feel awkward about it, they know it's an assignment. They could even say to the other person, you know, I'm sorry, like, I'm just doing this for school. Like, they have that as a kind of resource uh, right. for their comfort. Yeah. And then they, they find out that they didn't get their head chopped off and uh, so yeah. they maybe do it next. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not usually afraid of, of having their head chopped off. They're usually afraid of being embarrassed. Sure. Which, that is what we're mostly afraid of, right? Is yeah, looking yeah. foolish or being embarrassed. Right. right. Um, so what, uh, now that's really got me curious. So what kind, you know, what are the first assignments you give somebody? You know, what are the first two or three things you ask them to do that, uh, you know, are still challenges, right? Yeah. The first thing that I ask them to do is um, just to practice observing, because this is a thing that you need to be able to do more reflexively. If you want to put yourself in a position where you're talking to strangers a lot, you need to observe what are the people around here doing? How do they communicate with each other? What are the signals? What are the 
um, things people don't do. Like if you wanted to do this in another country, even if you're good at it here, you want to know what the signals are in this other, not other country, other culture, you know, in, in here, making eye contact is generally an invitation. There are some cultures where eye contact is a challenge. It's like, fight me, you know, so you got to know what you're doing. So the first thing I get them to do is observe and take notes. The funny part about that is I have to write in the assignment that they have to put their phones away. Like <laughs> the whole point is to do observations. So they can't, be, and like, even if they usually take notes on their phone, I'm like, nope, nope, just an hour. And you got to put yourself in a leisurely place, like a place where you might be waiting for someone or waiting to do something like people milling around in public. So it, I also noticed that I find that really difficult. Um, when I went to vote in November, I forgot my phone and, you know, it was quite a long line. Um, so in addition to all of the ways in which it was uncomfortable to not be able to have my phone and be reached or reach people, I didn't have, I didn't have anything to read with me and anything to do. So all I did was stand around and watch people um, for an hour, which is really hard. <laughs> um, okay. So that's the first assignment is just like getting comfortable, learning your observation skills. Um, still a stretch activity, apparently totally. just yeah, watching yeah. is a stretch activity and remembering to be, I don't even mean present in like a mindfulness way, just like be where you are, um, right. physically. Okay. The second assignment, I forget right now. Um, uh, maybe I'll remember later. It's in the book. Um, the third assignment is where it starts to get kind of funky because this, oh yeah, this, the second assignment is something like, you know, walk around the block and say hello to every single person you walk by. Um, I've amended that to say, don't say hello to women unless they are making eye contact already. Um, but it used to just be say hi to everyone. Um, so yeah, so you do that. Um, that's the kind of warm up. Okay, so then you start. I'm just going to say, in my town, when I yeah. walk around, I try to say hello to everybody, and mm -hmm. if they don't say hello back to me, I just assume they're from New York, because uh, <laughs> no, this is such a myth. New Yorkers wow. are are the thing is they're either incredibly friendly or incredibly rude. There's not like a lot of middle ground. So yeah. you know, anyway. I don't really mean New York, but I always, you know, and of course I am a northerner by birth who's lived in the South for many years. Yeah. And it's like, it's just a completely different thing. I mean, almost everybody will say hi to you on the street. If they don't, you think well, this must be something wrong. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But, but a digression. Yeah. No, but I went to college in the South in North Carolina and then moved back yeah. North and in grad school. And I will never forget the morning that I went out on like a Saturday morning early to go to the art library or something. And there was nobody out in the street and I was walking past somebody who was in it. I think it was a maintenance guy. Cause he was in a uniform and I said, Hey, how you doing? And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, you must not be from around here. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Wow. Information. Right. Um, yeah. So, Okay. So then this assignment um, was devised before iPhones. So in the existence of iPhones, you have to like keep your phone put away, pretend it's run out of batteries or something like that. Um, and this is an assignment where you start asking people for directions because asking people for help is a way 
to create a moment of interaction, right? right. Um, New Yorkers are usually extremely helpful. This is one of the things we do well. Again, unless we look at you like, why are you bothering me and take a hike? So you ask somebody for directions. You got to think about it, like pick someplace that's a little complicated to get to. So they couldn't just say like, go up the road and turn right. Um, and this is progressive. If they give you verbal directions, ask them to draw you a map. If wow. they draw you a map, ask them if you can have their phone number so you can call if you get lost. And again, <laughs> you have to like wing it with the iPhone adaptation of that. Um, then if they give it to you, make the call, okay? So at this point, you're really imposing on someone. You're also right. lying because um, you're not lost and you're doing this for school. Um, two students in the history of this class have made that phone call. Wow. <laughs> I believe you. Yes. And I used to think it was only one of them. And I remembered who that was. Um, and then a woman who had been my student uh, who was from Brazil after the book called me up, she was a journalist and she wanted to interview me. And she said, I have to remind you though, I also made that call. Um, so anyway, wow. there were two <laughs> students who made the call and the person on the other end of the line was very helpful. Like yeah. they were fine. Um, so isn't that great? That's an assignment. Another one, and this is more of a city assignment. Um, I mean, a lot of these are kind of need a certain amount of density um, of population. Sure. Uh, so Another one is asking someone if you can walk with them. And again, this one is, um, you have to think about who you're asking, you know? So women, it's like, you can ask women, you could ask a man too, if you want, but like, you're not intimidating a woman any more than that it's an intrusion if you say, or that it's weird if you say, could right. I walk with you? Um, so that one has produced some really interesting interactions. Um, and I have to, give credit where credit is due. That was actually became an assignment because one of my students just did that as, as an activity on her own and reported back on it. And I was like, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> um, good. So, and then in the book, there's the final assignment is, um, or exploration right. is um, go somewhere where you clearly do not belong and sit, see what that feels like. Um, done that. And right. And I yeah. say in the book, you know, this, for some people, that's your everyday life. Um, and you don't have to do this because you already know what it feels like. Um, so that right. is kind of like anyone who's part of the dominant culture, who is not used to being somewhere where you don't feel like you belong, go do that and yeah. see how it feels. So no. this, the, I mean, this gives us a complete arc of things to do, right? We can become increasingly uh, challenged and, in fact, stronger in the spot. We're more open to meeting strangers. I mean, the thing is, if I get to that last step, <clears throat> if I go ask someone to walk with them, if I do that two or three times and I actually get away with it, then I've figured out that I can pretty much do anything I'd like to do in terms yes. of meeting people. And I'm guessing that really is the point of what you are talking about. So let me ask you, you know, all of this, you know, you talk about being in a city, we talk about all these things that you've done, the world changed in March. And uh, I can't, 
I mean, there are masks. I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, what happens when I meet people and what, what are you finding or are you having these conversations still? And the other is, um, you know, a lot of this is kind of like how you and I are talking today. I have met a bunch of people over Zoom and they're strangers too. And I'm curious if you have any ideas about that. So let's start with the first yeah. thing. I mean, we're, it's live face to face, but um, we're half my face is covered. Half of yeah. the signals about what I'm thinking are gone. Yeah, or, or yeah. Not. Sorry? Yeah. Or, your, or your face isn't covered, and I don't want to get anywhere near you. That, yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's a signal, right? right. Yeah, that's a signal, yep. Um, yes, okay. So when all this first happened, where I am, total lockdown, so you did not even have the opportunity to see people. And then when things began to open up a little, um, it was possible to, like, go out for a walk, and you were supposed to be masked, but, you know, keep your distance. And at that point, I started to get a lot of people talking to me about, oh, my God, I had no idea how important those little interactions were until they were taken away. And then suddenly it was like, I, you know what? I can see yeah. this. I don't even need you to tell me how important they are because I'm feeling it and seeing it. Yeah. Um, another thing is this question of, you know, all the nonverbal communication, like even catching someone's eye it turns out you're not always sure if you've caught their eye, if you can't see what's going on with the rest of their face. Right. right? Um, I had the disturbing experience of feeling like, wow, I think half my charm is in my mouth, like, you know, <laughs> my smile right. or whatever. Right. Um, because this isn't working. Um, so I think it's taken us time to adjust. And I hope dearly that all of our adjusting will be useless very soon. But in the meantime, you have to sort of think about, okay, I can't send signals with my mouth, with my face, with, you know, my smile. And yes, genuine smiles show in your eyes, but if you don't have both of those things working together, it's actually really hard to tell necessarily when someone is smiling, right. also depending on the shape of their eyes. Um, so you have to think about, okay, what other signals can I use to show that I am being open and friendly. So you've got your body. Um, you've got to use your body. This one works. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have the mouth, but like <laughs> that works. It doesn't really look like a cry for help. Hey, yeah. doing the nod. You've got your shoulders. You've got your body. You've got like turning to the person. A lot of those things come naturally to some people and they may not to others. So you may feel awkward doing that. Um, oh my God, we're all mimes now. Right, I mean, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I know it's insane as I never thought of it that way, but yeah, we're all mimes. So be a mime. And this goes back into like, you have to be a little bit okay with feeling foolish, right? Yeah. So, but I, that's the advice that I have. And I, the other advice that I have is that it's really worth it. Like just getting out for the walk is not enough. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so what about online? So online, I think, is really, really interesting. Um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about information, about getting information from other people, sharing various signals. There is a beautiful kind of information that we're getting from people when we're on Zoom on, you know, whether it's this kind of call or a meeting or a networking situation. This, right? Yeah. We're seeing you in your house. Unless you use a background, which I actually discourage because it takes away that 
sort of the vulnerability of showing your house. Before we started recording this call, I went and moved, you know, my my clothes drying rack out into the hallway and shut the curtain in the doorway, like to not not as grooming exactly, but just to not be distracting, you know. Right. But like you can see the art on my walls. You can actually see some boots down there that are all by the door that I didn't put away. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot these days, people's kids come in. Um, I was listening into these very high level scientific meetings, um, international scientific conference for my other work that I do. Um, I think it was in May. And there were scientists giving a talk to like 10,000 people and their kids would come in and they would have to say like, just a minute, honey, I I can help you like in a little while. Can you go watch TV or like, can you go ask your other parent? Now back to the formula. Yeah, Yeah, seriously, you know. And so that is this incredibly humanizing situation. Like you're seeing people's homes, you're seeing their children. You apologize for your children interrupting and people are like, no problem. I have kids too, you know. Um, I was doing some qualitative research interviewing people and it was the same thing, you know, even though it was just audio, it's like, wait, sorry, I have to, you know, to help my kid. Yes, honey, two plus two is four, whatever it is. Um, so that kind of humanizing is happening online. It's also one of the strategies for talking to people who you don't know on the street is called triangulation. So it's basically like there's something that is worth commenting on or talking about, and there's you and there's the other person, and you make a triangle by commenting on it. So let's say it's like a piece of public art, you know, and it's super strange, abstract thing. You you see somebody else looking at it, you can go, I don't get it. Do you? Or whatever your response is. Or like if you're a certain kind of person, you want to explain it to them, um, perhaps. Right. So you can triangulate on stuff that's in the background. It's a little bit of a risk because a lot of times we don't really think of ourselves as being as exposed as we actually are. Um, you know, but I could be like, hey, Phil, you've got a plague mask down there. Like, how cool is that? Like, tell me about that. Where'd you get it? Um, you know, it's suddenly uh, like my whole life behind me is an icebreaker. Uh, interesting. Right. You know, this is all, this is a background, virtual background. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> Yoda. Yeah. No. None of that is mine. No. That's not my Viewmaster, GAF right. Viewmaster. It's not mine. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, it, so what about, have, have you talked about at all people like using the opportunity to kind of go meet? I mean, we're we're drawn into meetings and those kinds of things, but there's also an opportunity to meet people who are sort of genuinely strangers. I don't know them, but we can be put on a call together uh, one way or another. Um, are you encouraging anybody to do that? Has that been part of your routine? Like it might be no. Seek out strange phone calls with strangers. Well, I mean, so there is an actual tool for that, right? And it's yes. called Lunch Club. And Lunch Club is basically, you know, we describe it as chat roulette plus LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you without, know, without body parts. <laughs> I'm assuming. I, so far for me, that's the way it looks, right? But I mean, the thing is, I am engaging in these Lunch Club calls at some level. But part of it is just because I want to keep up the, I meet with strangers. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. I have... You know, I have no idea. I like I was on a call yesterday and the person was one of those who is not a preparing type person. So they never <laughs> looked at my profile. They had no idea who I was. And I was like, 
I almost never, I mean, it was kind of refreshing for me because I almost never go into a place where people didn't know who I was when I, before I walked through the door, right? It's like, she said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I have no idea who you are. And uh, I said, oh, no, it's okay. And so I, but I, it allowed me to pivot, to talk about her a little bit, to create a little curiosity so that she'd have to come back and ask again. But it created a completely different conversation. But I had to be charming in a way that I don't have to be when people already know who I right, am. Right, right. But it's also an opportunity, like, like you don't, um, you know, that nobody has also like preconceived notions of you, right? Like somebody who knows who you are might be expecting you to be a certain way. Um, and those expectations are going to kind of psychologically bleed out, not bleed out as the wrong leech to you. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Bleed out is terrible. They they establish an expectation. They're going to establish an expectation that everyone's going to work off of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know. You know? yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of thing is interesting. So I, I've encouraged the people who are, who need that kind of thing yeah. or who want yeah. to do that. I think that's a, yeah. an interesting little tool to use. You know, the th- pe- people who I think are particularly suffering, like besides children who are all suffering deeply from this, um, introverts are suffering from this. I One of the things I heard from a lot of people I spoke to when I was working on the book who are introverts was that they really like being in public around people, they just don't want to have to talk to them. So like the sort of hanging out in cafes and park benches and all that kind of thing. Um, And that has been lost to people who are avoiding indoor restaurants, which is um, a a lot of people, I hope. Yeah. Um, So a funny thing about that, I'm just curious about what you're thinking might be is, so, you know, we run these events called Tech After Five and, uh, you know, we'll have, let's say 30 or 40 people on a call or something like that. But then we take them and we put them into breakout rooms of two or three at a time, usually three at a time. The introverts come back to me and they love it. They just say, oh, my God, you took all of the social pressure off of me. I mean, I mean, it's their words. They're coming back going. Oh, well, I didn't have to. I didn't have to go break into a group because I'm there with just these people. That's who yeah. I can talk to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing with like conferences, which everyone assumes that because I love talking to strangers, I love conferences, and I hate them. Like I hate them with a passion. I know ne- I it kills me to go to the dinners. Like I usually just go to my hotel room and have have delivery right. and. Um, yeah. And it's because there's a sort of expectation that you be charming, um, that you be interesting. Um, it's, you have to be really on. And like, if I've been speaking particularly, I'm like, I can't do this. Um, I'd have to take Scott with me. I just say, you know, I, yeah. I was nice to you at the keynote. Let right. Scott be nice right. to you at the dinner. Yeah, right. I love conferences. <laughs> but what, this, I'm like a, a sort of 80% introvert, <laughs> uh, extrovert. Like I reach a limit and I just have to stop. Yeah. Um, I, I go to conferences. I just find a spot at a bar and just tell people to come on and just. Right. Right. Well, that's a thing that I think you can do, um, even if you're not as extroverted as you are, is like, look around for who else looks uncomfortable and go introduce yourself. Like that's good advice. a person yeah. who's uncomfortable is going to be so happy to have somebody talk to them. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, it's a, it's such a good move to, to yeah. make, um, and I've done that a lot, like, I, cause I don't feel comfortable, like walking into a conversation where people are already laughing. Even if I know some of them, it feels awkward. So I'd much rather look around for the person who's standing there awkwardly with their drink. And Yeah. Uh, now see, I will do that bit as well. And, I, and we certainly have seen that in the live events. 
the thing about it, since we're not doing any live events, because we're trying, you know, we're, yeah. there's not enough vaccine around to make this make sense for us yet. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're doing these things with Zoom and we've done, them a, we're doing them a couple different ways, but these little rooms, it's a thing that kind of helps the introverts and the big rooms, the extroverts like better, right? That's so they like to be able to yeah. wander around and talk to people. So right. we're doing both now to kind of hit both groups and see if we can help them out. I have a couple of technical questions about that. Um, sure. When you put people in the little groups, do you give them any devices or you just, they just, show, okay. What yeah, we give them a mission going in. So I, you know, I, I tell them, I tell them exactly how long it's going to be. I, I tell them, here's some things. And then I give them a conversation starter question. Mm -hmm. And then I toss them in. What's really kind of funny about that is, you know, they come out and the introverts go, oh my God, I really love that. Thank you for the structure. And then the extroverts go, yeah, we didn't do anything with the question. We just talked. And I was like, right. that's great. I said, the guardrails right. were there for people who needed them. And if you don't need them, do what you want to do. You didn't right. need me to begin with, right. right? Yeah. Right. So we do give, we're pretty clear. We give them a mission and uh, they seem to like that. pretty. That's well. so cool. I yeah. love it. We should get uh, Keo to give us some little exercises to give our little, our people to. to well, uh, no, I think what we should do is we should just invite her to come to Tech After Five just one time. Because now she can do it from the chair she's sitting in. Right. And she could come hang out with us sometime and just meet that some people. That would be awesome. I think, I think yeah. you would love that. And they I'd would love certainly to. love to meet you. I'd love uh, to. Thank you so much for all of your time and your expertise. This is a real gift. I think our tribe is going to love hearing from you because this is spot on for what they need to know how to do, right? We're we are here to meet people and sometimes it's hard and you've just told them why they could feel good about this and given them some exercises to try as we go along the way. So thank you. I'm so happy to have talked with you guys. It was a great way to spend my morning. Yeah, super. Uh, Keo, I, I know you've got a website and I think it's just keostark.com. And That's uh, is that how people engage with you if they want to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not much on the social media right now. So um, I have a newsletter that I, is about interactions with strangers. So I haven't been writing it lately. Um, but yeah, if you want to reach me, um, you can go to my website and find the method of reaching me. <laughs> I like that. Look, come to my website. I don't really want to talk to you. And there'll be a bunch of ways I'm not going to talk to you there. But it's at keostark.com. I love that. That is quite a sales pitch. Yeah. No, I do. I'm totally open to, to you know, hearing from people by email. I love hearing people's stories. Um, I don't have a ton of time to get into like long extended friendships, but I'm happy to hear from people who have a story they want to tell or, you know, like yeah. gratitude or stuff like that. Super. Good on you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Scott Pfeiffer, remind people how they find you if they need more of you in their lives. I'm on LinkedIn where I'm Scott Pfeiffer. And uh, you can email me at strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. Okay. And Jesse will drop all the graphics in there. Of course, uh, I'm Phil Yanov, and we want you to come join us at Tech After Five. By the way, we have now launched a group for Tech After Five, but the easiest way to find that is to get on the mailing list, and then I'll send you a link, because uh, quite frankly, we're only looking for folks who listen to us and join us at our events, because we want to be, this is more of an, an intimate connecting thing. We want to help you. So uh, come join us there. And of course, if you like what we're doing, who am I not to beg you to subscribe and like because you know we need more friends you know we don't want everyone to be a stranger we want need more friends like you so join us at techafter5.com and i'll see you next time <laughs>